Welcome to the Bold SLP Podcast. We are so happy that you're here and can't wait to share with you all of the amazing conversations we've been having. We are the co-founders of the Bold SLP Collective, and we are also your hosts, Lisa, Desi, and myself, Ingrid. Each of us has a variety of experiences in all things bilingual and bimodal speech-language pathology. You'll get to know us pretty well on here. We started this podcast to share our lived experiences, but also because we want to bring advocacy and cultural humility to the forefront of every speech therapy conversation. We hope that you'll join us each week, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. Today on the Bold SLP Podcast, we will be talking about our SLP grad school experiences. Are you ready, Desi? I'm ready. Are you How about ready? you and good? I've got my coffee. You've got your coffee. All right, we'll get right into it. So let's talk about the route to SLP grad school and what that was like. If I remember correctly from our conversation before starting this recording, that the three of us did what they call leveling courses or post-baccalaureate courses before going to grad school, right? That's right. Awesome. Kind of for me. (laughs) Kind of. It feels like we all had a little bit of a, a hunch that we wanted to work with children. We wanted to do some sort of teaching, but not necessarily as a teacher. And that dream was kind of in us from, from our early days. Uh, for me in particular, I really didn't even know speech pathology existed, like you probably heard from my story in, in one of the other episodes, um, until basically the moment I was about to graduate from my undergrad. So I had to make oh. a decision to do a, a one-year certificate to get all of my prerequisites in order to become a speech pathologist. So for me, the route to grad school, um, the hardest part was the move from Canada to the U.S. for the certificate. But from the certificate to grad school, it was smooth sailing because it was all the same professors, all the same type of faculty and services. I knew who was going to write my recommendation letters. Like all that stress was gone because it was the same team of people that was getting me to the very same location. Yeah, that's amazing. And I was going to say, so for today, we were hoping to talk about each of our individual grad school experiences. So since you took the lead, Lisa, we're going to go with you first. So um, you talked a little bit about your uh, route to SLP grad school, especially where you came from Canada all the way to the U.S. Um, Tell us where you ended up studying and why there. So it's funny, all the way to the U.S. It was definitely a one-hour drive across the border. (laughs) Canada is so far. (laughs) Plattsburgh, New York. That's where I went. Um, I had applied to a bunch of universities all over Canada and in the U.S., but that specific university gave me the most scholarship money. And it really just came down to can I afford grad school or not? And that was the place I could afford. And that is the place I went. We are all nodding our heads. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about Plattsburgh? Um, what kind of a, what kind of an area is it? Um, or at least in your experience, what it was like. It's a more conservative area. I would say it's, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity. Um, It was, I mean, when I went to Walmart or like the outskirts of the university, it was mostly white people that I saw. 
but within the university, there were so many international students. So it was like a whole other island when we were on the university campus, but all around it and even the churches. And it was, uh, it was a pretty specific demographic there. And so thinking more specifically about your program, what was the racial and ethnic breakdown um, in your actual SLP graduate program? I'm trying to think in terms of diversity, we had, we had a young man in our program um, in the certificate, in the certificate year, we had two, and then one of them decided it wasn't for him. So then we ended up with one who went on to grad school. Um, every, I mean, the rest was all women, and it was, it was majority white women, and there was me. I was Canadian, but Canadian Sri Lankan. So there were two other Canadians, both white. Then there was a, a girl who was half Jamaican, half white another one who was half Indian, half Italian. Um, and for some reason, we all just became the closest friends. And we were all studying together. We were all doing the same stuff as all the other girls in the class, but we just gravitated towards each other because we had such similar experiences when it came to diversity, bilingualism, different kinds of children that we had worked with and encountered. So yeah, that was, that was my class. Sounds like you had a really small cohort. Yeah, I think we were like 14 students. Oh my gosh. Is that right? Maybe I'm wrong. It was a small number. It was less than 20, I want to say. Mine was huge. We had a huge cohort compared to that. Like, How how many did you have in green? Yeah, 80 to 85. There was... Oh my... No! (laughs) It's a large school. It's a large program. Yeah. I went to school in Dallas. Ah. It's a big, big, um, big universe, big program, big university. So I, it wasn't too much different for me from undergrad, but yeah. uh, What was your route to SLP Ingrid? I was a grad school. (laughs) I was a mishmash of everything in undergrad. Um, I couldn't make up my mind. I think on my episode, you learned that I was pre-med. I was psych. I was, languages linguistics major um and so whenever I got into grad school and I decided I was going to UT Dallas I started talking to our advisor and he was really encouraging he's like you already have all of these classes all the sciences the neuro the biopsych he's like I don't even think you'll need to level like you'll be right on track like maybe phonetics and intro to to SLP will be what you need to make up and that's it and that was all so first semester I took intro to comedy and I took phonetics and I took neuro one and I believe speech science or voice I can't remember which one but those were my courses for my first semester so I was seeing clients and taking intro my first semester <laughs> of grad school uh, because yeah he saw that in my in my career and my um kind of experiences he's like yeah you have all the background um it won't be hard and no neuro is easy uh, and then he saw all my anatomy background too mm. you know all that stuff he's like you already know all the cranial nerves you know all the stuff in the brain 
I'm like, yep, I did all that already. <laughs> Good to go just to learn speech stuff. And so it was really hard though. I don't recommend it to anyone, anybody who I talk to now. I'm like, take your time. I was in a rush. I finished in um, four semesters in a summer. And as a leveling student to do that, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Could you tell us um, why you chose that program specifically? Um, same as Lisa. Um, I was a Texas resident and I needed to save money. So I applied to mostly Texas programs. Uh, the only programs that I applied to that were out of state were in Arizona and New Mexico, but the cost was just prohibitive. It was so much. And then the program in Arizona was absolutely not giving any wiggle room on my leveling. Like it would have taken three and a half years. And every semester, you guys know it's more money. So the program that allowed me to do it faster and be done faster, it just meant that I could be earning money sooner. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just went into it just wild without thinking. I was 22 years old <laughs> and I didn't know what was ahead or how I was going to come out. But yeah, it's crazy thinking back to my 22 year old self. I'm like, why <laughs> or how? Um, yes. You know, I have so many questions for my younger self. Um, no but... fear, though. I miss that about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she I do and I scared. don't. I yeah, uh, I, I think I, I do I and ask, I don't. I ask myself that all the time. Like, what, what was the big hurry at twenty? Like, mm -hmm. it was like this big race against the clock in your twenties that like everybody was so far ahead of you. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I hope that's going away because I yeah, I mean, I feel like it is. I uh, yeah, I hope so because I think it just does such a disservice to all of us like our brains are only just fully formed at that age like I don't even yeah. understand um how we get yeah. so far into these decisions but um just to loop back around one more time to your program Ingrid what was the racial and ethnic breakdown um in we your grad program very diverse I feel very lucky all the time when we have these conversations um I have done a little bit of looking into it and it seems like the bigger the cohort, the more diversity there is in the cohort, just mm -hmm. like statistically, if you think about it. Um, so it's less competitive, I guess they would say. There's more opportunities of getting in if there's more spots every semester. So um, I felt like we were very, very diverse. Um, my cohort was diverse, but the professors were not diverse. <laughs> That's how it goes. The mm -hmm. only um, experience I had with a professor who was maybe even close to being, you know, having my same lived experiences was my uh, neuro, not neuro, it was through the neurology department. Because mm -hmm. that's another thing. They didn't have a bilingual track for me there. But um, this advisor who encouraged me from the beginning um, he made sure I had access to learning about the bilingual brain. So in the semester, my last winter semester, he made sure I was in a seminar with this neurologist who studies bilingualism in dementia, bilingualism in stroke. And she was bilingual and of a diverse ethnic background. Um, and she was a great mentor to me. Um, so that I was able to get those experiences, but 
It wasn't through the communications disorders department. It was through the neurology department. But mm -hmm. my advisor in Congi like made sure I had those experiences because he knew I would come out and be a bilingual SLP. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I feel like um, my program was similar in the sense that there was also no emphasis on bilingualism um, or any sort of track for that matter. Um, so I went to the University of Georgia. So I think it's really fascinating that we have just different representations from all over the country. Um, and so going to school in the South, um, it just made for a really interesting dynamic. Um, I was in a small-ish cohort compared to you, Ingrid, um, maybe about 20 some students. Um, and my cohort was largely, um, largely white. Um, and then ethnically, you know, I was a Latina and then there were two, um, black students, uh, and then one Asian American student. And so we just, um, you know, we, we just didn't have like a whole lot of diversity to speak of. Um, and I was the only student maybe I think I was the only maybe um maybe there were just a few others um it was definitely three or fewer of us who had done the leveling courses and then entered grad school mm -hmm. and I had the special honor of being the oldest person in my cohort so fun <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah I was thinking about that too I'm like we were really diverse we had moms we had a pregnant student we had you know dads we had two guys so that was the diversity there was not there you know yeah we had one guy yeah i forgot about him sorry Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but out of 85 students like yeah to have one guy yeah yeah and, yeah but moms pregnant slp young mm. old me who i just turned 22 and my friend who was even younger than me were like may and august babies but we were younger yeah than everybody yeah. like we were just 22 yeah i yeah. started I, grad I school about that when you said that i'm like oh my gosh i made so many bad choices <laughs> yeah well like, i what i started I grad school at 30 oh. for slp okay. so yeah it was a totally different experience for me and um i mean i i just think that um i the reason I studied there too was also financially like i mean i was married at that point so that was in, you know, obviously a financial advantage for me, like my husband had a job, he uh, paid for our rent. And so that helped a, like a lot, you know, that really limited the amount of loans that we had to take out. Um, mm -hmm. And um, that was a really big choice in my decision. And the kind of weird thing about my application process was that I actually applied all over the country. Um, because my husband was still applying to professor positions in his field. So he applied to California, New York. So I actually applied to school in New York State. Um, I can't remember where else, but it had this like weird spread going on. Um, but in the end, we ended up staying um, in Georgia. Um, and then eventually my husband did get a job and we moved um, as I was halfway through my program or three, I think it was three quarters of the way through my program. So um, yeah, I think it's just, it was really, um, it was a, a different experience for me too, because I did a thesis. Um, I, those are kind of the most unique things, I think. Um, and the thesis that I did, um, I had a friend who also did a thesis and she and I were like 
we were just always uh, either together or kind of going, talking about our experiences together and we still stay in touch. She's actually doing her PhD. Um, so yeah, it was, it's pretty, it was a pretty fascinating experience for me, especially being an older student. But and did you feel like, I feel like when you're at a certain age, you're kind of happy with the decisions you made and you're no longer in this mad hurry, but did you feel like you were in a hurry? I had different pressure on me than I think the younger students had. Um, I just, I, I've had the pressure of like wanting to, I, this is kind of weird, but, and I think I, I've, I've talked to other friends who are doing, per, you know, graduate programs, or I have a friend who's doing like a whole undergraduate program. Um, I felt like I wanted to do everything right. And I wanted to make the most out of every experience. Like I, I was working all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So I really wanted to get the best grades and do the best that I could in clinic and do my thesis and present at ASHA. And um, so I just feel like I built it up around me so much. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I needed that at that time. But I don't recommend that to people, if that makes any sense. Um, I felt like I needed that validation in my 30s um, and that I really wanted to, like, do grad school and do grad school in the most amazing way. Um, and I um, and there was part of me that also wanted to do a Ph.D. So that was I, I still think about a Ph.D. every once in a while. But um, for now, I'm just kind of staying put. But that's that was what was going on in my 30 year old mind I, it was definitely different than whatever was going on in the 22 year old mind in my program i at least i think so right. yeah but would you guys do it again i would be an slp over again every time but i don't know if i would do that again <laughs> I, that being so fast so oh. furious no time to think about myself, take care of myself. Like, uh, it was so unhealthy. Like, I've never been more tired, more stressed, more stretched thin, more broke. Mm. I was, I was all alone, first of all. Like, I don't know that I would have moved away that far from my support system. Because I stayed in Texas, but I went across Texas, which is 11 hours away from my family and 12, 13 away from my fiance, my husband at the time. Wow. So oh my. I wouldn't do it the same way. I would have taken it slow. But every time we talk about it, my husband and I are like, you did it. It's done. Because he graduated in December. And then I graduated the next May. And then we got married in November, mm. right after we both graduated. So that was the plan. We just wanted to be done with school before we started our lives and never looked back. Yeah, you just again. ripped the Band-Aid off. I mean, <laughs> we just did it. And really it fast. Done really fast. And I learned a lot. I, it's hard for me to reconcile how much I loved school. So I loved my experiences, my practicum, my clinical experiences. my The opportunities I had in Dallas were... I don't think that I could have replicated them anywhere else, but it came at the cost of my health a lot of the times. And so that's kind of like the trade-off of being that busy and having to work so much and have so much pressure on you whenever you're so young. I'm like, oh, but yeah, I, I have very invaluable experiences that still help me 
to this day. So I would definitely do it again. I would just eat more vegetables, work out more, learn about meditation, and maybe mm. get an apartment where I'm actually going to be going to class <laughs> instead of 30 minutes away like a total idiot. Mm. I know. I didn't know. I I just thought, oh, here's campus. Yeah. And there were two different areas where we did our clinicals and where we did our classes. And one of them was downtown Dallas, which was a good 30 to 45 minute commute from my apartment. Oh, my. I know. But yeah. my friend and I did the same thing. We lived in near the other campus and we tried to work that out, you know, the best we could navigate it. And we carpooled a lot. Would you do it again, Debbie? Yes. Um, I think that the challenging part for me was that um, I was geographically limited. Um, I mean, which is great for me because I think that's what th that and a combination of other factors allowed me to have less debt. Um, you know, ultimately I, I tell people all the time, like, I think you should just get the degree, um, do it as cheaply as possible. You'll get the same credentials. Nobody's going to look at where you got your graduate degree from. Um, but from a place of like, um, opportunities, especially like where I was really hopeful about doing a PhD, um, I think it would have been great to work with bilingual mentors, uh, you know, be in areas where, um, I could have had access to students who were uh, bilingual. Um, I did do a thesis with a bilingual student, but like literally he was like the one. <laughs> so I would have appreciated more opportunities to do more community-based work, um, you know, with someone who had access to those populations. Um, so I think that's, I would do it. I, I would do it again in the sense that I'm happy being an SLP. But I will also admit that I'm always interested in what other people do. I always daydream about other careers. Um, you know, I think that's just who I am. And um, much to my husband's dismay. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do love I do love just how much we get to learn about other professionals. So how about you, Lisa? To a thousand percent, I would do it again. I mean, I came. Lisa met her husband down there. I know. She learned like, on her episode. <laughs> the whole trajectory of my life changed because of grad school, mm -hmm. and the only, I guess, negative was that it it puts so much financial strain on us. Like as a starting married couple, both of us with all of our student debt. But it's like you said. Like, if I didn't get that degree, I don't know. If, what kind of job I would have gotten and if I would have been like living out my passion because this is really what I loved. The things that my grad school could not offer me, I don't know if many grad schools were offering at the time anyway. More representation, more professors of color, more neurodivergent professors. Like it's just, I guess it just wasn't a thing back then, but it, it's becoming more and more. And I didn't know what I needed until after I graduated and saw all the things I was missing and all the information I wish I had. Sometimes it was just vague little, oh yeah, we talked about code switching a bit, but what do I do with that information? Or, you know, so the the things that I wish could have changed, I don't know if I, I would have found the perfect school that would have offered me all of that. But what I did get at my university was, I think, what I needed for that time. And 
And uh, what I didn't get, I'm looking for it now. And I'm and I'm finding the right people to help me along that journey, like you too. So yeah, yeah. I would do it again. I love your answer. Yes, that's awesome. And I was gonna say, I felt like graduate school was like a buffet. Like you could <laughs> grab a little bit of everything. I don't like buffets, just FYI. <laughs> They're full of germs. I will go to a buffet if I have to, but it's not, it's, it's just, you know, I, th I think the problem is that you do get such a small sampling of everything and I'm finding myself way more, um, empowered as a, as a clinician, as a therapist, when I get to pick my, uh, continuing ed and I get to kind of go down the rabbit holes that I want to go down, um, mm -hmm. And I feel like this is a really popular topic in just the SLP social media space, the idea of like having a niche. Um, but I think it's really helpful to, you know, at, balancing all the different things that like, for example, school SLPs do. I am not that talented. I I really bow down to people who work um, in school settings. Like I, I, I kind of have a, a little bit of a niche going and um, I find comfort in it. Um, gives me some consistency but I think that that's that's the that's the challenge of grad school like figuring out how to navigate it how to get through because it is a lot it's emotionally intense it's very demanding <clears throat> academically clinically and then you come out and you're like what 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 <laughs> what am I doing some of these expectations were completely unrealistic but this goes for programs across the board not just speech therapy correct like these detailed lesson plans of how a session is supposed to go, the number of goals you're supposed to hit and the pluses in mind, it's absolutely ridiculous. And for me specifically, when I teach my interns, we always go in with a half plan, half flexible, whatever the child wants to do, we end up doing there and having our goals in mind. Like, I mean, teachers, professors were so on top of me with like, where is the student going to stand? And like, which page of the book are you going to read? And I was like, mm, the child might not like that book, <laughs> you know? And like, yeah, but it was, it was similar in my education program too. the lesson plans we had to write for classrooms. They, yeah. And then when they don't go right. I'm glad I spent the money. We never had that, you guys. 10 years ago at UT Dallas, they were saying lesson plans don't go as planned. Mm. Like, I learned lesson plans don't ever go as planned. We used to do weekly themes. It's Hold on, Ingrid. Stop years it. Ago, Ten years Stop ago. Stop it. And I'm always me. so glad that I went there and then I spent my money there because every time conversations like this pop up, I'm like, I never learned that. I, I don't believe you. Hold on, hold on. So you didn't have to write lesson plans for your sessions and have them signed by your professors before you nope. went in? Nope. We had a plan. So the one I'm specifically thinking of, we had a whole summer that was three-year-olds who were coming in for intensive for six weeks. And they assigned us as a team one week that we were in charge of. And they recommended we did an outline of the week with a theme. My week was 4th of July. So we found a book about little mice celebrating 4th of July. We read the book every day. And we did different activities every day based on the book. Mm -hmm. I made little mice puppets for the last day, but it was unstructured, child-led, and just with a general idea of what we were going to do. Yeah, it was, my experience was closer to Lisa's. Like I had to have a plan 
had to be turned in ahead of time, approved. And if it wasn't approved, like there was enough time in advance of the session to like make multiple edits and turn it back in. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, which I thought was crazy. Like the multiple edits part, I was like, this, this is just a session plan. Um, and I think that that's professionals. We were treated as peers and we co-planned. Wow. 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 I think we could have a whole episode on that because I, I do think that, um, there are many times, um, in my graduate program, like, especially being the oldest where I was like, I don't understand these dynamics, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I know that like, I tend to look younger anyway. So, um, but it was, it was pretty fascinating after having been a working professional (laughs) to get, yes, a little bit. Um, I, I didn't always feel like I was the same age as some, I was almost the same age as some, some or most of my professors. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the irony, Desi, the irony was always that when you're your lesson plan was completely off and you improvised really well, that's when you got the most applause that you were. That is the ironic part. I know. They're like, wow, look at her shift. Look at her. And I'm like, what? So funny. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Whatever. We're just sitting here jealous of you. Yeah. We're just, we're just going to have our own little side conversation. Yeah. But um, we would all do it again. Is what we yes. Would we would all it, do it. totally do it again. But, um, yeah, so I think then um, this kind of wraps up our SLP grad school experience conversation. And I'm glad mm-hmm. we had it because it was fascinating and so many different things to consider and how many different experiences or facets of our experiences we were able to share. So, yeah. So what was your word of the episode today? Or what are we calling it? Our keyword or takeaway word? Mine was... I, I felt bad, but it seems like we all made these decisions based on access. So was it, you know, accessible financially, accessible in terms of geography? So access is the word that I'm taking away from today. Access? Mine is representation. It's what I wanted, what I needed, what I'm going to get. Awesome. Yeah, I think just the facets you know, like there, it's just so multi-tiered what we're, you know, when we go to grad school, we just think, okay, it's grad school. It's this one concept, but like we just talked about, like, it's so, so much is determined about where you are, who you're with, um, just all of the facets that come into play, like, right. What are the clinical expectations? What are the academic demands? Um, you know, how much does that program center student wellness, which I mean, again, could be a whole separate podcast um I have a funny story about that that I I will share one day but you know I think that um it just this really I think highlights that there are just so many different things at play no matter where you go to school you know especially how we are so geographically different and where we did our training so that's my takeaway so many facets amazing thank you guys thank you Thank you for listening and supporting the Bold SLP Collective. You can find a closed captioned version of this podcast on our YouTube channel. We will also have show notes on our website. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you do all the podcast things. Follow, subscribe, download, and review. And don't forget, we love hearing from you. So connect with us on Instagram at the Bold SLP Collective. 
stay bold and humble. See you next time.